Goodbye, bench press. Adios, squat rack. Fare thee well, kettlebell. Hey, Kellen, need a spot? No, Jake from State Farm. I'm just saying goodbye to my pricey gym membership. What? Don't give up what you love. State Farm has options like insuring your home and ride with great rates on both. Nice. Hey, can I buy you a protein shake or a granola bar? Or... For surprisingly great rates, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Call or go to statefarm.com for a quote today. Hello, beautiful souls, and welcome back to Fear It Goes. So happy to have you here. Today, we are here with Matt Kelman. His story is, as always, an interesting one. Because honestly, let's be, let's be real here. I find their stories so motivating, inspiring, and thought-provoking. They take me on a journey that helps me expand myself and appreciate other people around me. So I hope you enjoy the interviews and the stories that come along through this podcast as much as I do. And I hope you get as much from the information that we share here as I do. And with no further ado, welcome to today's podcast. Welcome to Fear It Goes, the podcast all about taking your fears with you and doing it anyway. I'm your host, Brandi Taylor. I want to welcome you to today's podcast, Matt. I'm so grateful that you have joined us here today at Fear It Goes. How are you? Hi, Brandy. How are you? Oh, so good. So good. <laughs> Such a pleasure to have you here. Very excited to be here, Brandy. I want to talk about your journey through um, adolescence and because I find it really fascinating and really insightful into how people make a leap in their life. So you came from a single parent and a life that was uh, tough -er, early on. Yeah, life, uh, you know, for, for what I remember clearly about uh being young because certainly you know finding all of the pieces again is uh is an interesting process in and of itself um but being being young growing up i had a lot of what i would call personal freedom and that came came to me from different circumstances um i have wonderful beautiful parents uh for sure um, but I, um, I grew up with my mother and my sister who was six years younger than me and my parents had been separated since about the time that I was one year of age. Um, and so very strong feminine environment, um, growing up, I, I became very sensitive and, uh, I, I think perhaps I've always just been naturally sensitive, but I found that that even as a very young person, I was I was always uh, very careful about the the feelings of others and trying not to disturb the mood or disturb the setting or create any kind of friction inside of my house, uh, which felt almost too easy to do sometimes. And uh, why did you feel you needed to do that? Um, I guess it just felt safer. Uh, to do that. I, 
I felt like uh, whether it was myself personally being attacked or, or as if like I was being the attacker, I felt like being expressive or, or open or, or in some cases, even just feeling, you know, feeling whatever I was feeling that this was, was some, in some way creating chaos, right? It was, it was making, um, making a mess where there didn't, there didn't need to be one. Uh, I remember pretty distinctively just living, living as a young person, feeling pretty, um, you know, call it shy at first, but what it really was, you know, it was shy to other people, but what it really was, was this, uh, I guess you could say like lack of confidence or even uh, it turned into a lack of capability in just uh, giving a voice to, to what, what, what I was feeling. Um, do you think you were just kind of holding back because you were afraid? Yeah, more more than anything, that that's exactly what it turned into for sure. Uh, and and you know the fear the fear of it, you know, I could I could reach back and uh, associate it with specific things like like I didn't want to upset my mother by by bringing the wrong mood into the house, or uh, I didn't want to upset you know my teachers or whatever by um, you know being being obnoxious or or you know, telling them how bored I was or whatever. Uh, but I got, you know, suffice to say that the important part of the story is that I, I got very introspective at a very young age and I spent a lot of time uh, alone. Um, and that was kind of the, that's kind of the baseline of my, my journey uh, is that, yeah, I was a pretty contemplative fellow. It's interesting too, because you took on that role of, um, caregiver and people pleaser very young very young super concerned about others very very young yeah i i, I learned very early on to kind of watch and weigh the effects of my behavior on on other people for sure um that that is essentially like turned into a massive gift in my life now to be certain but I was, I was always very, very like hyper aware uh, of the impact that was had when, when I would speak, um, when I would laugh, when I would sit quietly and observe. Um, and for a while there, it was the, the scary part was that I didn't know what was going to happen. You know, I got a little bit nervous and maybe predisposed to imagine that the, the reaction would be would be negative that I would, I would get in trouble or I would, I would be told not to do that. Um, and, and so I didn't, I, I took, I took more to an observational role, which allowed me to, to see very clearly, like to a minute detail, what kind of impact, you know, my behavior had on, on other people and my surroundings and, um, and comparing, comparing that, that kind of experiment to, plants and to, to animals and people it was was interesting to see where where my communication felt felt safer and more authentic um, but yeah it was it was uh it was very watchful critical thinking kind of a road for me as a young person for sure it's amazing actually and very honestly quite rare most most kids and many of us into adulthood don't follow that path of the observer. Most of us are quite uh, asleep. 
Yeah, and, and certainly there there's elements uh, there were elements of that too for sure. I I looking back on it now, I feel like like you know I almost didn't have a choice in the matter. It, it was just you know me doing doing what felt or seemed best at the time. Um, and uh, I was I was always very very high energy. Uh, like just uh, you know you ask my my parents about what kind of infant I was, and they'll tell you that I was crazy. Like I just moving going 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 all the time tons of energy and and certainly like if I look back and try to put a story together uh, about you know being a young person a young boy growing up I could certainly say that like I always had what felt like too much energy and it was, uh, it was something that I, I I felt like I had to temper and that took me through some very very difficult trials um, as a kid. And, and, you know, even today it's, it's a big part of my life. Uh, but one that I'm, I'm very empowered by, by speaking about and getting involved with and sharing, which is what I, I didn't do as a young person. So. Well, and you're now at this stage, you know how to utilize that energy and be able to kind of gift it out through yourself to others. I find um, high energy people have a charisma, a charm, a persona that is unique. Well, we all have relatively unique personas, but um, but there's something about high energy, and you do you're gifting it to others. In most cases, in mm-hmm. most cases, it's rare that someone will find that too much in their own space, and then they shut down, or they look for escape. <laughs> right. Yeah, usually it's something people seek out. Yeah, yeah, I've I've been there before too. Like you know, you dampen your own energy, you know, long enough, and certainly you're going to feel lack of some kind. And this, I think, leads to searching or seeking in all all types of ways. And and this is actually the part of my story that makes me feel very relatable to lots of people. I I, I think a lot of people are, you know, in general, I think people are full of limitless energy or at least have access to yeah. it and that can be utilized for you know any anything anything at all um but like you know through my journey uh, i'm able to relate to certain certain kinds of oppression and certain kinds of dampening that occurs you know whether that's just within the psyche or whether that's in the environment or both um that really leads to this externalization of of uh of reality, you might say, where where you're always looking for something that's going to fix you, or looking for something that's going to wake you up, or looking for something that's going to bring that energy back. Even um, though it's always been there and it's never left. Right. Right. Absolutely. Just, yeah. It's just we've we buried ourselves under the external, not realizing that everything is already there. Hmm. Yeah. Indeed. So, you know, and that's always the, the story of coming home or coming back to yourself or, yep. um, yeah. So, you know, mine, mine was very, very similar story to those kinds of themes in many ways, for sure. Well, we talked about your experience as a teen and talking about suppression and oppression. You felt that way in your teens. 
and what that had done. What had that done to your psyche? What had that done to your energy? So this great energy source, this ball of beautiful, expansive energy, dampened and darkened. Yeah, I, I think uh, it came through in many ways. You know, I was, uh, I remember when I was younger, so, so becoming a teenager, I was very artistic very artistic in many ways it just it just kind of shone through and uh, as i got into my teenager years i i definitely uh that you know basically attached to perceived rejection started to just be like become removed from my life um i stopped drawing i stopped writing i stopped singing like all these things i love to do uh i just i just stopped doing them and i got a lot more wrapped up in uh, the people pleasing aspect um, of my character for a while, and and you know when you feel like your your expression is too much, then artistic expression's probably not the safest way to please people. So huh. that that was part of the dampening for sure. Um, it's not just but, dampening; that's absolutely a suppression of highest us in our highest self, us right. in our most authentic self is when we are joyful and and in bliss and when you're creating it is blissful it's us aligned with all of our parts of ourselves when we're creating mm -hmm. so you literally stopped creating in singing in writing in doing whatever drawings you used to do right. all those components of creating were pushed aside for an ego-based role of people-pleasing. Wow, sorry, it just dawned on me exactly what just transpired. And I'm like, wow, you literally dropped out of yourself to go into learning as a teen. Yeah, it's a tough one. A, yeah, yeah, it's, uh, it was, you know, the dark, the dark night of the soul, right? It was lots of references to that. And we've all, we've all got a story to yeah. share that for sure right and and that uh those those years you know junior high and high school and and at, you know, right after high school those were those were pretty dark nights for sure um yeah it, it carried on and you know you know the longer the longer something goes on the longer you you feel like that's a reality or you call that your reality the more powerful it gets um you know that that uh detachment from artistic or creative expression you know got very very strong and it got replaced by this just general anger i think um you know because it's all the same energy right so you're going to transmute it one way or another because you can only resist like being alive so much while you're alive uh like this the, the energy is going to come through you know it's got nowhere nowhere else to go so essentially the more the more that happened the more withdrawn i got the more i simply watched and didn't engage um you know the more the more video games i got to like suck suck me dry and the more escapism uh, yeah like big big time and, and you know i've come full circle on that i've got some great gratitude for for some of those things now um uh, but you know the more that i did that uh the less that i i, I talked to my parents about anything, um, you know, I went into this blame mode where I, I certainly started uh, for a little while there, like kind of blaming all of my circumstances on 
on other people and situations that I couldn't control. And, um, and that, that became a voice for the anger that was really just creative energy that hadn't been allowed its natural outlets. Um, and I, I got wrapped up in, in, you know, romantic ideas and, and I was hoping that that would be an outlet for creative, uh, energy and you know when whenever rejection came to me in that world that was just devastating and that reinforced this this idea that no like go be alone just watch like that's that's what that's what you're supposed to do um, so <laughs> the ideas so I, that go through right <laughs> yeah and they become a lot more than ideas after a while yes. right yes absolutely they do because yeah. we've repeatedly told ourselves this is the way it is when it really isn't that's right. He isn't. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, I, there was, there was some very, very difficult days. You know, I remember, you know, times for sure getting so angry, just so angry. And typically video games became, became the, the needle or the, the straw that broke the, the camel's back, so to speak, you know, where, you know, I would use this device, this game, um, as a means to try and express something creatively, and because I couldn't control it perfectly, I, I it would give my anger, you know, a, a strong outlet at that point. And sometimes, you know, I, the dam would be so built up that when the anger finally released, uh, it was very destructive. Like I, I went through a period as a teenager where I broke a lot of things. Um, I I used to hit myself in the head really hard sometimes because I just didn't. I had nothing else that I could do. Um, and I'd already broken enough things. I didn't want to break anything else. So, uh, I would just, you know, hurt myself. Um, Aww. but that's, yeah, that, that was, uh, that's something that, you know, like not a lot of people know anything about, right? Like these, these like dark secrets, so to speak, um, that are, they're buried there, but that's also where the, the healing comes through as well. So, you know, being able to talk about it is, uh, Empowering the disempowerments. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You got it. How about that? Empower the disempowerments, the disempowering moments in our life, how important it is to go back and empower them and acknowledge what we draw from them, which is an empowerment in itself. Instead of just seeing it as this detrimental, horrible experience, there is always something that we draw from that experience and that's why we have it. Right. And it's so fascinating to me listening to you talk about suppression and how suppression manifested in so many ways, suppression of self and how it manifested in anger and um, self, like not mutilation, but hurting yourself and Mm -hmm. the path that you go down and how much more and more extreme it becomes or could become or to what end it, it goes due to a suppression of self. Right. And when we get so caught up in the ego and learning that we don't recognize that that's what we're doing is we're learning something and we've forgotten that that's what we're doing is learning. This isn't who we are. Hmm. I'm, I'm in the midst of my own little thing right now. Last few months have been kind of an up and down, interesting space in my own head, <laughs> but uh, uh, it all kind of came to a head in conversation last night. And that's what I realized is that um, when we wear our ego too long, we forget who we are and what and what we're drawing from the ego experience. Hmm. What we get to gain 
from the experience of being an ego, which is learning something. And there is always a lesson when we're in ego, always a lesson. And that is a massive gift. Sorry, please continue. <laughs> I agree. I agree. Please, please like, uh, let, uh, let those tangents out whenever they come up, they're gold. They're, they're good. <laughs> um, yeah. Where was I there? Um, you were talking about um, the way that sometimes you would hurt yourself or um, basically we were, you were in a place of suppression of yeah. self. Yeah. So, so suppression had kind of become a very, a very normal, normal way of operating. I suppose, you know, I, I, uh, when, once I got to high school, I actually, I, I very slowly started skipping more and more often all the way through to grade 12. Um, and you know, prior to, prior to high school or at least the year before high school, I, uh, like I was, a I was a superstar student, like in every possible capacity. I, I, I was passionate about every subject and I was passionate about like the kids, the other kids at school. And, um, and I had, I had a lot of friends and I, you know, I, I was just, I had good relationships with all of my teachers, like talking about, about subject matter and putting so much work into projects. And, um, I, I really enjoyed school and, uh, you know, there, there were certain shifts that happened in, um, like in my transition to high school that kind of separated me from, from what, what was comfortable and, and the suppression got stronger. And, um, do you want to talk in, in about the, the shifts? What was that? Sorry. So do you want to talk about those shifts? What sure. happened? What was the catalyst? Uh, the catalyst, uh, the, the one major one or the, the major period shift I, I can remember is, um, between eight, grade eight and nine, I decided to switch schools because my best friend uh, was switching schools and I decided that uh, there was enough good there was enough pros to making a similar switch that uh, that it was time to shake it up or whatever and I removed myself from from a very very like supported positive and familiar environment and put myself into a very unfamiliar environment and um and you know, I got acne all of a sudden, and I was trying to fit in for the first time because up to that point, I had gone to school with many people that I had, you know, gone through all of school with to that point. And I started trying to fit in, and and I was like flexing my character a lot, and uh, it just, you know, and it's not even that it wasn't working, but I just felt so outside of myself doing those things. I stopped caring about school just as a natural response to trying to fit in. I was spending more energy. Um, I don't even know. Relationships and acceptance. You got it. That's, and that's seeking perfect. acceptance. Uh, and that just kind of spiraled into what, what basically, you know, the, the sidecar to anger became this anxiety. Like, like they'd like to travel together a lot. Uh, <laughs> and, and essentially, like if I wasn't if I wasn't angry and almost always at myself, then I then I was really anxious. So it kind of felt like the incoming information was all anger, and the outgoing information was all anxiety, because uh, it was anger itself. So you directed it at you, right? So I was either you know kind of beating myself up verbally, emotionally, or physically, or or I was expressing this like deep 
like fear of, of being rejected or not being enough or being too much or whatever it was that day. Um, and that anxiety, like actually expressing myself anxiously became such a terrifying thing that I, you know, I, I took the road of just being withdrawn and angry instead. Um, that, that was kind of how I would sum, sum that transition up. And, you know, then, then high school was just basically like a, like just a dreadful hall of mirrors, you know, walking around all the time, feeling like, like all I'm being seen as is like an anxious kid and nobody knows that I'm angry. And so I, I spent my entire high school uh, wearing headphones um, that I couldn't, even my teachers couldn't get me to take off, um, like completely infatuated with this girl who kept me at, you know, a certain distance um, all the time. And uh, skipping school because I just like the passion was gone and uh, I was hurting. So I found, I found my, my outlet was more appropriate in the gym instead of at school. You know, now that it was anger, uh, pushing weights around was, um, was a lot, a lot more alleviating, I guess. Than, and it seems know, like a natural way to expend that type of energy, right? Like it's very almost, I can't say that lifting weights is aggressive, but it kind of is. It's like, it's, it's a powerful exercise when you're lifting weights and you're lifting them hard. And I know when I've been mad at different points in my life, running for me, I'd run myself silly, like to the point of complete exhaustion, or I would go punch a bag or I would go to the gym and lift weights. So I kind of had three outlets, but same idea. You're just pushing really hard to get that out. Totally. Yeah. And and, you know, I went through a phase that like as, as I left high school, I, um, I had gotten really obsessed with the gym. Um, I had a football coach in high school tell me that I wasn't strong enough. And that broke my heart to the point where, you know, I, I quit playing sports and I, I started working out. As, and, you know, looking back now, sometimes I think it's funny, like, oh, I'm going to show you. I'm going to be the strongest <laughs> guy there ever was. Right. I'm not sure if that's, that's what, it, what it was entirely. But I did, I did go to the gym and I became very obsessed. I, I got a job in a sports supplement store and um, I, I would, you know, wake up and have a shake and eat six meals in a day with three shakes and two big bags of vitamins. And I'd work out minimum once a day. And I did that for years. And uh, I, got, I got really big and I got really fit, you know, in certain ways. And, um, and the funny thing is, I, I, I don't know if I've ever worked harder at anything in my life than I did at that. And I, I don't remember a single moment of being like, just really happy or content. Um, <laughs> that time. I'm certain that they were in there. But I remember the whole period as a very like, just sad, miserable period. You know, I, I didn't like to be seen. Um, and I didn't like to be I didn't like to be known, honestly. Like I, I felt, I felt like, like the, the truest possible meaning in my life was to to live completely privately and work work out whatever was going on in me, and do that all with the least amount of exposure as possible. Um, Probably because you were looking to subconsciously or consciously avoid the rejection or the possibility of rejection. Yeah, right. that feels very, very appropriate for sure. Yeah. yeah. And it's, it's such a curious statement you make when you say, 
in that whole time, I worked so hard for this, which we do. Sometimes we do things in our lives where we strive so hard because we think this is what we want, but we achieve it and we're never happy. Yeah. And, and, you know, I, I feel like for, for me in the gym was interesting because, you know, the gyms, you know, got this, you know, this interesting kind of progression to it, right. You know, you start working out really hard and you see a lot of results really quickly and, um, and that, that feels pretty good. Um, but then you get into this hypercritical state of, of like <laughs> overanalyzing every, every single tiny detail. And we, we tend to completely retract the, the benefits, the positive benefits yeah. that we're having by, <laughs> by like health. And we, we get instead wrapped up in this like competition game with ourselves about getting better all the time and, and like not good enough. And, and that actually drove me out of the gym. Inevitably, I, I pushed so hard for so long because, you know, there's no such thing as the right amount of weight to lift. It always had to be more. There wasn't the right thing as like running the fastest mile possible. It always had to be faster. And, um, and eventually I worked out, you know, so hard for so long that, you know, my, my shoulders and my chest muscles like just kind of gave out. Um, I got so tight and I was holding on so much and, you know, all of the areas that I damaged were actually like right around my heart, which is interesting. Uh, <laughs> like my, my physical damage is all, all these scars and stretch marks of soft tissue tearing right in my armpits and in my biceps and in my chest muscles. Um, but I pushed so hard that eventually like it, it, it was literally like blowing a gasket. It was like, uh, like, like blowing a chakra kind of like just poof, too much energy, pushing too hard, don't need to do this and explosion. And, and eventually all external. Yeah. And I had to stop, I had to stop working out. Um, yeah. Just pushed it. What took you from self deprivation or self deprecating to where you are now? Cause you are such a different person now, (laughs) like such a different person. You're such a delight to be around. Your energy is so beautiful. Oh, you're lovely. (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah, it's, it's been quite a, quite a, quite a journey, you know, and there's, I think the important part to, to highlight in the story is that while all of that, that I was just telling you was going on, while all of that like dark night of the soul was going on, there was also another, another story kind of taking place in my life that was quietly kind of going through the birthing process um, into its maturity. And that was my, my meditation practice and my mentorship that I, that I happened upon with, uh, with a, a beautiful woman that taught me many, many things. Um, and how old were you when she came in? I was 16 years old when I, when I met her. Um, and it was kind of just like serendipitous. I, uh, you know, I, I was at a stage where, you know, conversations between my mother and our, my mother and I just didn't go anywhere. Um, and, so she was, I'm, I'm sure, and looking back, she was trying to find ways to reach out to me because obviously I was struggling. Um, and so one day she just said, Matt, I met this woman and I think, I think you'd get on well. And so she sent me to see her and I walked into her office um, and she, she, you know, the energy in her office was like very apparent. Like it was like walking through a portal. Um, and <laughs> crystals everywhere and um, a massage table and interesting smells and all kinds of things and 
she, she was very warm, very, very lovely. And she basically sized me up in five minutes and like described in a very subtle way what she could see, which was all of these wounds that I thought were concealed. Um, right. uh, or, or like, and I, some of them I thought were so concealed that I forgot that they even existed. Um, and she saw them all right there, just like in five minutes. And I was very, you know, threatened, I guess at first and moved by this. Um, but I was more moved, uh, than threatened. And so I like had to go back and see her. And that was the beginning of, uh, like a very long relationship that I still have to this day. Uh, but one that, that set me on a journey of you know, 12 years of studying with her uh, one-on-one. Um, and, and, you know, I use study pretty loosely because we did many, many things together. But essentially, she started giving me tools um, to start engaging again with this energy that was now just anger and anxiety. That was like all that was left and it was eating me alive. And uh, she started giving me ways to transmute it, to transform it, um, to, to bring approach. it back to its normal state. <laughs> yeah, you got it. Yeah. So it was lots of meditation, lots of like therapy, you could say for sure, but in a motherly kind of way. Um, lots, I, she, she attuned me to, to the Reiki symbols and I got my master's in Reiki by 18. Um, and... Uh, we just studied a lot of a lot of concepts together, and she gave me a lot of stuff to go home and practice. And um, when I met her, I started finding um, things that I enjoyed a lot. Like they made my 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 spirit, my soul, my heart very happy. Um, so amidst you know the the darkness that was going to school or seeing this girl that I loved who wouldn't wouldn't like return it, right, <laughs> right. Uh, or, or being able to express myself amidst all of that, I could go home and um, like hover my hand over my body and feel this connection, this, this electricity and be like, whoa, that's fascinating. Uh, <laughs> that's so cool. <laughs> so cool, right? It just, it was, it was really, really neat. And I didn't have to tell anybody about that. Uh, and it was, it was, that became like just for me. Oh, and, it was a secret. Yeah, it was for a long time, I would say, uh, for, for quite a long time. Um, and, you know, I used to go on walks uh, in Bonas Park and um, there. bring, you know, bring a, bring a doobie or something or, um, or not and just like go walking, especially if it was pouring rain. I would go walk and I'd sit or lie down underneath a thunderstorm for four hours until four in the morning, um, you know, just as like a teenager, just hung out outside for a long time uh, and then I'd write about it and so I had I had this other practice that was developing as I was going through all of this tormenting stuff you know those that started to litter litter itself into my life uh, deeper and deeper and well, you had this juxtaposition because you had one side that was building an incredible practice with a great mentor Mm-hmm. a practice of self and understanding and digging into the internal, but then your external was still very uh, ego, like heavy in ego. But again, I see this very much from a, um, a brain development standpoint, you were still young. And until we are in our twenties. So for most 
girls, it's between the age of 23 to 25, the brain is fully developed. And for boys, it's between the age of 24 to 26 that the brain is fully developed. And now they're saying maybe another two years onto that due to technology and the advancements we have with that, it's actually stalling brain development. How awesome is that? Yep. But Mm -hmm. your brain isn't fully developed. All your frontal lobe, all your um, logical responses aren't fully developed until you are at that age. So I can understand why there would be this juxtaposition in your life, but I find it truly fascinating that you literally had like this duality, such extremes. It was, yeah, it was very extreme. Um, And, and there was, it was necessary, I think, because the, the part that was suppressed uh, was, was getting so extreme that, that, like if I didn't find, uh, like I'm certain that if I didn't find another outlet like the meditation practices um, and the esoteric uh, exploring, um, I would have I would have like just exploded, like completely, utterly right. destroyed myself. Um, so so that was a very, it's, especially looking back, it's very uh, healing for me to even look back as if there was always like there's proof of this wisdom that was always there that knew even in my most determined sadness um still there was that wisdom that knew like this will this will help this will heal this like it might take a long time (laughs) but like this this will give you something to stand on um and and then you know when I went through the whole gym thing and eventually like blew my blew myself out and literally got to the point where my posture was so misaligned um, that I I my I couldn't stand or sit very well and I had to see a chiropractor and I had to do some rehabilitation. Um, all that I had left at that point, all that I had left was these practices. Um, because like otherwise my whole life was about the gym, like my whole life. Uh, everything from my job to the people I spent time with to the things I put in my body to the time I went to bed like it was all for the gym and then then when that fell away and I watched like all of these quote-unquote results uh, like deflate out of my body like a balloon right um, all I had left were these you know meditations and these these journaling exercises and these you know big esoteric questions to contemplate which served my observation really well because you know if i had you know a, a thought that i was given to, to ponder um about you know maybe the consciousness of humanity to be vague um you know i could i could like just be i could be anywhere and right. watch people or i could you know i could look at a tree for a minute straight and wonder if the thoughts that came up in my mind were coming from that tree or not and how could i tell and i I just got really wrapped up into this world that as soon as i dropped the facade which was this gym i i was just very very passionately reconnected to this creative force that had come back to me in a different way uh than it than it used to you know i'm i'm still reaching for my my artisan uh toolbox you know today trying to reclaim my my childhood artsy uh vibration but um but it's it's fun um but yeah so i had these i had these practices and they were just in my life already so i didn't have to find them right i I could just keep doing what i was doing and lean into it more because 
you know, what I had been leaning into was stripped away. Right. It's, did you find that you were fighting that at some point? Like, okay, so you're talking about having these moments of contemplation and um, the journaling and things like that. Um, but you also had this external struggle going on. Did you find that you were at times fighting the journaling, fighting, fighting the meditation, that you didn't want to do it, and then you just look like, oh, yeah, I guess I'll do it. But it was more uh, just kind of fighting that internally? Um, yeah, for sure. I think, I think you know, even, even now, uh, you know, like knowing, knowing very well and very clearly what, what serves me, what allows me to be in my highest, even now there's still that struggle that, that comes up. And I think, you know, being in the, you know, doing some of this meditation yoga for, for a living now, right. um, I see, I see that in, in most everybody, there's this struggle to, to like feed ourselves what's truly nourishing all the time. Which uh, makes us feel great. It's like people who are like, Oh, I don't want to go to the gym. But then once you're there, you feel awesome and you, you're happy you're there and it's good. Exactly. And I find even even though I know these practices inside and out, I know what feeds me. I know exactly how to be in self instead of in ego. I know these things. But there are moments I just get so caught up and I'm like, no, I, don't, I really don't feel like meditating today. I don't feel like working out today. I don't feel like this. I don't feel like that. And I just get so stuck in the garbage. Right. Even though I know better. And yeah. I know better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah right <laughs> i know better <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's a it's a fascinating like trait right or like characteristic of of like being a human but yeah because <laughs> you know and and to that extent i think like that which nourishes us nourishes us for reasons and and sometimes like remembering what those reasons are is is important as well so sometimes i think we'll put ourselves in the muck put ourselves in the shit um, just so that the nourishment is that rich when it comes again, right? Yeah. Uh, it's like the, I have to experience some darkness to experience some light. It's the two sides, the yin-yang, right? Right. Without one, you don't really truly experience the other. It's the duality of life. Absolutely. And I think to, to further that point, like one creates the other as well. Yeah. You know, like, like, and, and this, is, this is kind of the big the big pivotal message of, of like my whole story, I think is that, you know, as you, you can go into the deepest, darkest space, but all you're actually going to find there is the place where the light comes from. That's right. No matter how deep or dark you go, right. There's yep. nowhere else that light comes from than that place. It's totally true. <laughs> it's totally true. In our darkest moments, we find light. Absolutely right? Yeah. Like that's, that's all there is left to find. If you, and if you want to test the theory to the utmost, then you're going to have to go to the darkest possible place, but still the, the, that's all there will be left. That's all that, that's all that there will be left for you to find is light. And you can, you can kind of vanquish everything in your life. You could destroy everything in your life and shroud it up in a shadow if that's what it takes until there's only light left, but that's, that's what's there. <laughs> It's fascinating when you think about people's rock bottoms and how they're different for everybody and what that rock bottom is. That rock bottom is the darkest places for them. Mm. And in those darkest moments, 
that's when we start to go, we make choice and we say, no, I don't want this anymore. I'm done with this. I'm done with this lesson. And the interesting thing is they're all lessons. But once we make that choice, that shift happens so quickly. (laughs) It happens so quickly. And yeah, we're going to have moments when we're pulled back into it or drawn back to, are you sure you've learned this lesson? Right. But that rock bottom truly becomes that darkest moment for whatever that experience is. And then we make the choice and we move forward and it is exhilarating. Everything within you lights up again. Once you've hit that bottom, whatever it is for you. Right. So your bottom hits at this stage where, when did your bottom hit? Oh, my bottom. Um, it would have been after the gym. So you've broken your body. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That now was, not capable. That was pretty tough for sure. Um, hard for me to like pinpoint a specific, a specific moment as much. Um, but, but certainly I felt like my bottom was like an extended period of time. And, um, you know, in, in many, many ways, I feel like like bottom was just just a state of mind. It wasn't actually an event yeah. per se because I look at like the things that I struggled with mightily when I was younger and, you know, I still experience all of those kinds of things. Like those same kinds of struggles and tests and challenges come up all the time. Like, you know, if, if I was going to have my rock bottom back then, like I, I very well could experience rock bottom today based on what I'm, what I'm going through now because there's difficulties. But, right. but then it was just this, this mindset and it was kind of this collective period. You know, I, I, was, I think I was kind of going through my bottom while I was at the gym in a lot of ways. Um, like the bottom might have been when I blew, blew my circuits open. Um, which is, which is, you know, something that like I, I wear on my chest now, like it's just right. there. Um, it's, it's your life reminder. Big time, big time. Um, and it was kind of like, like this big sacrifice in a, in a way too. Like there was things that, you know, I just like eventually I kind of gave up for the sake of this, this anger or whatever. And that was the, that was the cost. That was the, the bottom. It's like, Hey, if you keep pushing, if you keep pushing, if you keep pushing, and it's like, no, I'm going to push, I'm going to push, I'm going to push. And, and then eventually, boom. And uh, that's, that process has happened in different ways in different parts of my life again. Um, but the pattern is something to recognize. And I think rock bottom is, in, in many ways, it is a pattern, you know. Uh, and some people will move through the waves of highs and lows you know, much slower than others. You know, some people maybe navigate it so masterfully that, you know, they, they only hit rock bottom once and then they just slowly ascend all the way, the rest of the way. Um, I don't know if you ascend because there's definitely going to be challenges in life and life sends events, right? right? Things happen, but it's it's how we navigate through them. And maybe with, maybe with some experience or the ability to really reflect on those, we navigate those events much better and much more beneficial to us. So it seems like it's ascension, but really it's just us navigating better. Right. Absolutely. With a wisdom instead of a, instead of a push or a a resistance. Yeah. Yeah, indeed. Um, Just a little bit of that surrender in there and and 
know, trust in the in the universe, trust that things <laughs> are organized in a way that that is helpful for you. <laughs> um, and that so, this is going to play out, and tomorrow will be a different day, because every yeah, day is a different day. Inevitably, so it always is, right? So that's that's kind of the spice of life, right there. It's it's such. A, I just had this weird thought that kind of popped in with this. It's reminds me of when my dog died. Okay, so I know this seems really ridiculous, but my dog dies a couple of years ago. We put her down, and it's the most miserable event for me ever. I've never experienced grieving like that in my entire life. It was like grieving a child. I had her from the moment we picked her up from the breeder to the moment we put her down, and it was um, horrible that day and many days after. And I remember thinking, how does this, like, how does the world just keep going on? Like, she was never here. Like, it doesn't matter. That was one of my first thoughts, which is completely irrational. But it's the same thing when um, we're experiencing these moments and we think that life just won't continue or how can, how can this get better or how can, but tomorrow comes and it's a different day and it brings different opportunities and different people and different greatness to it if we're open to it. But in the beginning when, my, when I was dealing with my, the death of my dog, again, it sounds so funny because it's, it's a pet, but... Um, she was very significant in our life. I couldn't wrap my head around how life continued without her. And that's what we get stuck in when we're stuck in or not surrendering to or not, or we're, we're just resisting whatever experience we're having in that moment. We're just stuck thinking that nothing transpires beyond this event. You know, we're, we're just too close to it instead of being able to remove ourselves at least a little bit and go, oh, yeah, life continues around us. There's other opportunities. This isn't the worst thing in the world. Um, we can, like, I'm still here. I'm still breathing. I still have a roof over my head. And I can move on and do something else. Right. And it, I think, you know, especially something like death, it, it really paints like a, a visceral picture for us, like one that we can feel in our body and in our heart and, and in our mind. Uh, of the transient nature of of everything right like because right. it becomes it becomes you know a, a strong reference point you know there was this this energy this presence that was there and you know that 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 presence that that dog in this case like came yeah. came out of nowhere right like i mean there was just a point before you guys met where the the dog didn't exist it came out of nothing like thin right. air poof, right into your life and yep. it was there and it changed everything and it became integrated into your, into your culture as a, as a person and a family. And then in the and same daily way, existence, yes. just like a wave of sound passing through the air, poof, she was, she was gone. But, but like now in reflection, you recognize she was always with you. Always, always, always. Cause you're, you've, you've been changed and yes. transcendent through time, right? There's actually, there's not a part, a single instant of your life that she is not a relevant part of now, including the part before she even existed. And she taught me a lot in that experience, actually. I learned a lot about I learned a lot about our time here and mm. what it means and how we treat others. And because of course when you go through grieving, one of the first things you think is, could I have been better to you? Did I give you what I should have or could have? That was the, literally my first struggle with her death was 
could I have done better here? And again, it's the same thing with these events that we experience. We struggle with, could I be doing better? Of course we can, but of course we are always doing what we can in that moment. We are. What we're capable of in a moment isn't always our best, but it's our best in that moment, Mm. right? So I have so much strength or not in that moment. (laughs) So I can bring so much or I can't in that moment because it's where I'm at. And can we step up if we're aware enough? Sometimes we can. There's that split second of the observer saying, do I really want to do this? Can I really do this? Can I push forward or can I, can I step up into this mm-hmm. or not? Right. And that's just an awareness. Absolutely. So you hit your rock bottom ish <laughs> and then you have catapulted yourself into um, meditation and yoga. And this is now what you teach. This is, this is the life you live and you guide others through their own, um, I guess, dark waters. Yeah, you could say that for sure. And it's a, um, a continual like learning experience for me too, right? Like that's it's a pretty beautiful gift to be regarded as a, as a teacher. I like I, I've certainly grown to respect um, more more than anything, the teacher that I find in, in every other living, living being or everything. Um, so, so to be able to be regarded as a, as a teacher is a very, very feel very privileged and honored to do that. Um, but it's, it's more, more than anything else. It's a testament to this like willingness that I had to foster to um, essentially take all of that anxiety that was coming out and and like make the best of it um you know recognizing that that having all of that uh suppressed and uh made me feel angry and it made me feel pressured and it made me feel like really really destructive and and um and anxious and not you right so so you know i i went through a period of time where you know i like learning basically you know at 20 26 27 years old whatever it is but like learning how to express myself for the first time basically is what it felt like instead Um, of worrying so much about pleasing others right and you know it is it is a returning right like i mean you'll never make a person more happy in your presence than when you're able to be like your child (laughs) with you know like it's it's so it's such a beautiful thing because there's no words to describe it. Like people can't critique you for being your your inner child or for bringing that same level of freedom and expression out. It's just demonstrative of spirit or whatever, uh, whatever you want to call it. Um, so certainly there was just this almost this precipice, right? I'm either going to jump off and just start expressing it, for right. better or worse. Or, or I'm going to keep, keep going through this cycle and probably, probably end up causing myself and the people around me a lot of pain. Right. It's, so it's at that stage, it's choice. It's, yeah, you're, like it's the precipice and you're like, do I do this or do I not? It's yeah. choice. And Absolutely. sometimes, and it's not like these choices are easy for us. 
Yeah, you know, sometimes I think like the choice itself, like the one, the one that you know is gonna is gonna really win the day. That yeah. is, but then you know, making it is, <laughs> is like the harder part, or at least the whole yep. game, right? Yeah, it's taking the step. So, okay, I made this choice. I'm totally gonna do this, but yeah. now I gotta do this. <laughs> that gets that gets like not not. I don't want to say addicting, but like making that choice yep. uh, is like it definitely becomes a way of life after a little while, right? Like once you, you start breaking down those boundaries and... Yep, and pushing the boundaries and comfort right. zones. Mm. Totally. <laughs> once you've got that courage to be vulnerable, you know, it, like it, it, it becomes very like exponentially powerful. Yeah, I, I joke around often. I don't know if I told you about opening up shit gifts, <laughs> gifts wrapped in shit paper. <laughs> I don't think so. No, I haven't heard this. I'm actually, I think I'm going to do a podcast on this, the gifts wrapped in shit paper. But basically the sum of this is that we are given gifts all the time. And those gifts sometimes are really easy and they're just wrapped really pretty. And then we have gifts that are wrapped in shit paper. And those gifts are the really hard ones. Those are the ones we don't want to touch because they smell bad. They look bad. They're, everything about them is repulsive. Right. Those are the gifts of us. Those are the biggest, most important gifts. And when you first learn to open them, and it's taking these steps, right? In the beginning, it's really not fun. It seems really hard. But then once you learn how to open one, two, and you get into your third, you're running, you're charging for those gifts because those are the biggest gifts of us. And that's us in acceptance of who we are without the concern or worry of what anybody else thinks. And once you hit that stage, you are gifting other people. Mm-hmm. Gift them the beauty of who you are. And authenticity is magic That's to right. people around you. Mm-hmm. Very true. You like my gifts wrapped in shit paper? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's You should do a podcast on that. Yeah. Gifts wrapped in shit paper. So. I love that you teach meditation and that you teach yoga. I didn't know that you um, were a Reiki master. Do you actually practice that? Um, I do. I, I practice uh, mostly on plants and animals um, and just kind of offering that to them kind of unconditionally. Um, and then as far as practicing, practicing with people, I, um, I've kind of reserved reserved it a little bit I would say I I definitely have um, have an intimate group of people that that know that I offer this and and um, within those boundaries I, I share it uh, and I've got uh, I, I know several just very um, very beautiful powerful Reiki healers um, and I, I love working with them uh, so so on occasion I definitely do um, but it feels to me, Reiki, I feel like I feel the language very, very strongly. Um, and I love kind of embracing that as an actual exchange of energy between any, any two bodies of any kind. Yeah. Um, but it, it feels, it doesn't feel like, uh, like that's my medicine to give in that way. Yeah. Um, and especially like, you know, in, in a city like this too, it's so beautiful to see the community building itself in this way around the light of gifts that are all shared. Um, I've just, I've spent so much time with such, such profoundly powerful Reiki healers that, that I'm very happy to kind of, uh, 
you know, like keep offering the gifts that the, that my, my community has asked me to give. Um, and, and that, that I'm just in relationship with. And Reiki is something that I would say is maybe a little more private for me. That's interesting. I didn't know that. <laughs> hmm. I didn't know that. Yeah. You know, and certainly like I've got a, I actually just got a, a massage table. So um, I, I've definitely been planning to at least at the very least, because I've been doing a lot more private mentorship with people in my field recently um, that I've been preparing to offer, offer more Reiki than I have been. Um, I think I was just waiting for the, the stage to be set appropriately for that. But um, yeah. So yeah, go Reiki. Do love it. <laughs> <laughs> so speaking of the empowering, the disempowerments, you found your way to empower yourself, obviously through the journey and practices of um, meditation, which your mentor kind of brought you down that path, which is amazing. And then, um, and yoga, correct? Yes, yes, yes. Yes, yes. Empower the disempowerments, creative outlets for energy, and in healthy ways, we can we can do it instead of in destructive ways, we can suppress it. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I'm really, really glad. Do you actually, I, I want to ask, do you still, like, do you find yourself singing, doing art, <laughs> all the things that you were doing as a kid that you were no longer, like you found yourself not doing that were actually really making you quite miserable. Do you find you're doing those again? Uh, yeah. In a big, big way. Um, some some of them are still maybe you know like come up against certain blocks you know i can't uh, i feel i feel it's very difficult to just freely wield certain tools um but i i've been singing a lot more uh especially recently in the last few months lots and lots of singing i've been bringing that to class and um i've been uh, a part of uh of some ceremonial work just community building in uh in yoga studios with my with my partner and um in that ceremony space i i feel very very empowered to sing so i've been sharing a lot of that um and then along with that has come this uh you know playing instruments and um i've been i've been blessed this year i've been given so many instruments as gifts and i'm just i'm even looking around my house now and i'm like how did how did I acquire this many drums? Like what, what happened? <laughs> what does this mean? Um, so, so there's, you know, lots and lots of cool, <laughs> uh, writing has always, always been, uh, you know, even, even during the dark suppression, uh, my writing, uh, survived and has always been a really big part of my, uh, you know, even just my totem, like being able to recognize that I'm still here as long as I can write. Um, so, so I, I, uh, I kind of dip in and out of that pool. Um, but when I'm, when I'm in, I, I write a lot. Uh, so, um, yeah, I have found, found a lot of, a lot of access to creativity, uh, again, um, certainly could even say it's just become the way that I've been living my life, um, is just, you know, from one creative outlet to the next. Um, and I just happen to share that in different ways at different places at different times. <laughs> That's, that's kind of how I look at you know, what I'm doing now. 
expression. And it's, I find it absolutely incredible that when you really look back at your childhood and the things that really lit you up as a kid, it's funny how that translates into your adult life into purpose. People are always saying, well, I don't know what my purpose is, or I, I, like, I'm trying to find the meaning of my life, or I'm, I'm really unhappy. Look back at your childhood. There's so much to be found there. True. There's so much to be found there. And when we look at the things that really excited us as kids, there's a reason it excited us. Like I was an explorer as a kid. You could not get me to stop like making up stories about whatever I found in a park and I'd create a whole story around it or what this could possibly mean or where this came from. I was constantly exploring and I was always exploring people. I found people fascinating. Even from a young age, I was always looking at why did they do the things they did? And little did I realize in adult life that meant, why does the brain work the way it works? But for me as a kid, I was fascinated by people and the exploration of that. But uh, yeah, when we look at our childhood, we discover many things. I sang as a kid also, and I was an artist as a kid. And I find that those moments when I um, paint or sculpt or sing, which I sing a lot, I sing in my shower all the time and I sing in my car. (laughs) (laughs) I am the worst for this. I will be singing and dancing in my car, pull up to a light, look over, and someone totally busts me. Totally busts me. And they start laughing. Pardon? Isn't that the best, though? Yes, because it's totally one of those moments when I'm like, I don't care. I just gave you a gift because I took you out of whatever you were having an experience of the day, right? It could have been, I'm frustrated, I'm having a shitty day, I'm or I I could be having a good day, but I just added a whole bunch of happiness to your day because this was so funny and ridiculous that it broke you out of whatever you were experiencing, right? Oh yeah. I love those weird little (laughs) random gifts that we give people. So now I'm like, I don't care. (laughs) I get busted all the time. Yeah, just keep singing, Brandy. Just keep singing. (laughs) Keep dancing in the car. Keep dancing in the car. Yeah, I'm just like, I don't care. And people (laughs) laugh and it's great. It's great. It is a total little gift that we give. But yeah, um, singing is fun. And your singing is different. I like the way you sing. Oh, thank you. (laughs) Yeah, I guess you've seen me me in full full force a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yes, I did. And if you guys could see through these microphones, holy... I contemplated <laughs> putting up this picture. It's so beautiful, but we're gonna use we're gonna use a different one. I can't show you the one I took of Matt at our event. It was super fun, though. Let's just say glam rock meets My Little Pony. <laughs> if that <laughs> gives you any ideas, yeah, that's about you. You might have <laughs> one of the most honest and authentic photos ever taken of me. To be really I, remind me to send those over to you so that you have them. <laughs> But that's, that's the epitome of creativity in those moments and absolutely being set on fire with who you are and gifting that to those around you. Because seriously, there was not one person, not one that didn't appreciate the way that you represented that day. Not one. Like you just came out, you were this ball of awesome energy and everyone loved it. How could you not? How can you not fall in love with people who are truly themselves? How can you not? 
they do they do set uh, good examples you know i i uh that's that's i guess any time that i'm able to offer that authentically it's you know it's a, it's like a channeling of of the people who've shown me how to do that right so yeah um yeah it's a beautiful thing to pay forward that's for sure you're honoring them and yourself mm-hmm. it's win-win <laughs> win-win 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 perfect <laughs> <laughs> the way it should be always 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 and it can be that's a miss that's a misconception a lot of people make is that it can't always be win-win yes it can yes it can and if it's not something is slightly askew and just needs tweaking <laughs> or maybe it's the people that are come that have come together and they're just not meant to be doing whatever that is right right i find that in business often if it's not win-win it's because two people have aligned incorrectly. Like they have differing viewpoints that don't align. Therefore, it's not the right project because it should be win-win always and can be Mm -hmm. and successfully. So Matt, I want to thank you so much for your time that you've given and for sharing your journey and the darker insights into struggles in our in our journey and what we experience and how we move out of them. Uh, it was my absolute pleasure, Brandy. Thank you for inviting me to, to chat with you today. Um, yeah, very, very beautiful. And I love the work that you're doing. And uh, I look forward to connecting with you further and <laughs> maybe finding some, some more projects to do together and all that. But yeah. Collaboration. I love it. Awesome. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Is there anything you want to talk about? And actually, I know there is, so we should talk about it. Um, you have the coolest little organization um, or project that you're working with, and it's called Cosmic Cartel. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, I'd be very happy to. Thank you. Um, yeah, so um, my my beautiful girlfriend and I, her name is Jennifer, and uh, we uh, we met in. Um, in a very creative way we actually our, our story is that we fell in love inside of a cave uh, <laughs> inside of a mountain and um, I was leading a meditation uh, that that uh, followed a hike up to a cave mouth and it was a uh, through a cave tour company and we were you know, 90 meters underground in in absolute darkness and led a meditation and then this this woman started singing a song and it was beautiful and uh, and you know the rest is history anyway <laughs> um but uh, together just so much creative ideas lots and lots of like infusion in each other and uh with with almost no effort at all we birthed this this um cosmic cartel which was kind of just a fun excuse for us to do do some creative things that we wanted to do uh meditate in unique situations like in a cave um or bring bring uh, live DJs into a yoga studio and talk about serious things, but have very strong communal events. And um, so basically what, what uh, the cosmic cartel is, is a growing collective of, uh, of people who, who really respect and appreciate each other enough to show up and be vulnerable and try something new more often than not. And, kind of just let let the experience um be 
a demonstration of what happens when, when we all come together in our uniqueness. Uh, so we, we typically we rent spaces in yoga studios in Calgary, but we are moving, moving beyond Calgary this summer. We've got many, many invitations to go, go around. Um, but we, we like to use some technology like uh, noise cancelling, wireless headphones, and we do meditations through the headphones. Very popular. Um, and we, we've been hosting everything from you know, ceremonies with plant medicines to uh, ecstatic dance parties to yoga classes. Um, and, and then beyond that, we just offer lots of counsel too. We do have lots of conversation. We have lots of um, stigma-breaking events. And uh, we've certainly, in, in less than a year, we've hosted uh, 21 events together. And, um, and it's basically required you know, really, no real effort on our part. It's just, a, it's just a flowing expression of us and it's it's been beautiful it lights us both up and our community has grown very strong in a very short period of time and it's been beautiful to watch how people have kind of come into their own and then and then we get to hear about all the things that they're doing outside of the the cartel once they leave and it's uh very empowering so um yeah you can find us on on instagram at cosmic cartel yyc and um and yeah, we, we post stuff on Facebook and you can always kind of find out where our events are at, but we like to keep it a little mysterious too. So <laughs> so definitely go check them out. And you can find Matt at what yoga studio? Or teach, uh, at Yoga and Beyond primarily and Junction 9 in Inglewood. And uh, I go to Canmore once a week to Wild Heart as well. Um, and your meditations go through Cosmic Cartel or is that the only place they can find you? No, I, um, I do a lot of meditations privately, so you can reach out to me personally through, um, through my Facebook or, or through my personal Instagram at Monkey Yogi. Uh, but I also represent a company called Modern and Mindful in Calgary. It's about three years old, and it's a mobile meditation station. Essentially, we, we do a lot of work in corporate Calgary. Um, so I have, I have uh, quite a number of weekly sessions. I show up and do corporate meditations with groups from the energy sector to the architectural sector to um, law firms. Um, and um, yeah, the list, the list kind of goes on. Um, but yeah, you can find me uh, working with Modern and Mindful as well. Awesome. Now we know how to connect. Yeah, <laughs> and you. Matt is a delight to connect with. Oh, so are you. All right. Well, thank you so much for being a part of Fear It Goes um, podcasts and out to our community. I'm sure that we'll find great value in our conversation today. Thanks, Brandy. It is always a delight having these conversations with our guests on the show about the experiences they have and how it represents our evolution. So next week, we are going to talk. It's just you and me, babies. We are going to talk about empowering the disempowerments because it's time. We are going to talk about how to take back your power from situations where you gave it up and you may not have gave it up because you chose to give it up and you went, you know what? It's okay. No, no. These are the moments when it was taken from you or you just gave it over and give away a little piece of yourself every time you do it. So we're going to talk about empowering the disempowerments next week. I'm very excited. So my beautiful peeps, you know the drill. 
please leave us five stars. Leave us a rating. I love bringing great content. So if you have any ideas, come on over to fearitgoes.com forward slash podcast. Go to the bottom of the page and leave us a comment. Until next week, my beautiful souls, have an absolutely extraordinary week. <laughs>